0: We are proud to share a recording of a live presentation for the LDN Research Trust Conference 2019. We hope you enjoy it.
1: Perfect. All right, well, good morning. So first and foremost, let me just say that um, when I was writing my lecture, I had no idea that Dr. Holtorf would be here. And you will see that throughout my lecture, um, I quote him and reference him, so I look like the ultimate fangirl (laughs) through a lot of it. But what we're talking about today is, of course, cellular or peripheral hypothyroidism. Why you can't convert it from T4 into T3. What really got me into this using LDN was I had a patient many years ago. This was when LDN was just sort of hitting the scene, and I was just hearing about it from my compounding pharmacist uh, here in Portland. I'm from Portland. And I had a woman who had had a multitude of symptoms, a multitude of symptoms. It was her first visit to me. She was new to me, and she was on T4 medication. She'd had a history of three miscarriages, and she'd gone to the Mayo Clinic because she'd had all these symptoms. She felt horrible. Her primary care couldn't really figure out what's wrong with her. She'd had three miscarriages. Nobody could figure it out, so she and her husband decided to go to Mayo to get a big workup. And if you've ever had a patient go to the Mayo, they get this this like really thick printed out book of material of all of their intake, their labs, their imaging, like everything that they've gone through and of course their recommendations. So she brings the book to me and she says, "Here's my history. Here's what I feel horrible. I'm on T4. I've had three miscarriages and Mayo basically told me to eat healthier and lose excuse me, and lose weight." and I would feel good. So we were going through her booklet, and all of a sudden, I see that her TPO um, with their reference ranges was over 1,000. And I said, oh, um, how long have you had Hashimoto's? And she goes, I'm sorry, what? I said, well, how long have you had Hashimoto's? This this marker right here is over 1,000. Oh, you're on thyroid? I just assumed. And she said, no, nobody told me I paid a lot of money to go to Mayo, and you're telling me that I have this autoimmune thyroid condition. So I call Mayo, and again, this was years ago. So I happened to talk to one of the doctors that worked on her case, and if, again, if you're familiar, it's a, it's a group approach that they take. So I talked to one of the doctors, and I said, hey, I just wanted, you know, this patient came, saw you. Um, she she's, has Hashimoto's, and the Mayo practitioner said, um, no, she doesn't. I said, well, okay, on page, like, 56, her TPO is over 1,000. And she's on thyroid, and she has all these symptoms. Like, she, she has Hashimoto's. And the Mayo's the practitioner's actual response to me was, oh, well, she's on T4, so what else do you want me to do? And I was like, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is wrong. So I actually put this, I did a lot of work, um, on, obviously, on her... Um, as one of the other speakers said, her terrain, which I love. I love that term when it comes to our bodies. And we, I put her on LDN. I put her on low-dose naltrexone. And she actually, uh, she got pregnant um, within a couple of months. She carried to term. Not only then, she had a second baby carried to term. And of course, if you've ever worked at fertility, there's a lot of stress. If you've already had three miscarriages, I mean, it's like really concerning when you're about ready to try for your fourth time. But when she got pregnant which wasn't her problem, it was it was maintaining the pregnancy. Um, you know, when she, when she got past certain mile markers in her pregnancy, it was like huge parties. And then when she got pregnant the second time, it was huge parties. And then I didn't even know she got pregnant the third time until she called me. And she was like, oh, yeah, well, now I know what to do and I know what to take. So we're, we're on our third kid now. And so it was amazing that she went from over here to over here. But what made a huge difference was... When I read others of her lab work, she wasn't making that conversion to T3, but her TSH looked normal. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that in about 11 minutes. <laughs> so quick reminder, how does the thyroid work? Obviously, you all know how the thyroid works. I just wanted to put it up there for visual. Just as a reminder, the thyroid gland makes predominantly a lot of T4 and a, you know itty-bitty amount of T3. And then you convert the majority of it from your T4 into your T3 out in your peripheral tissues. Out, right? Out in your fingers, out in your toes, out in your, you know, skin, out in your hair, out in your intestines, out in your ovaries, out in your testicles. It it does it all out there. So what's really important that a lot of people don't realize is the conversion happens because of these things called diiodinases. And they're the enzymes that activate or inactivate the thyroid hormone. And as it turns out, they're super high maintenance like uber princesses. And they get affected by a lot of things. Oops. So type 1, which Dr. Holtorf already has alluded to, this um, can do both. It increases T4 to T3 conversion and degrades reverse T3. So a lot of the time we want that. Um, But it can also increase T3 to reverse T3, which reverse T3 is inert, and it degrades T3. And it's a balance, right? It's like Goldilocks. It's a checks and balance. High levels in the liver, which is where a lot of that peripheral conversion takes place. High levers, levels in the kidney. Obviously, those aren't the only places. This is just sort of the higher levels. But look at all the things that down it, right? That down-regulates the function of, of, uh, of your D1, of your diiodinase type 1. It's a huge list, and most of your patients walk in with those things. Physiologic and emotional stress, depression. Yo-yo dieting, right? Weight gain, leptin resistance. How many of you are checking your patients for fasting leptin? I have been doing leptin for years and years. I love, well, I mean like leptin resistance I don't love, but like studying leptin is really fascinating to me. It goes a lot with insulin resistance, which I'm sure a lot of you are screening your patients for. Obesities, diabetes, inflammation from autoimmune, systemic illness, Chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, chronic pain, exposure to toxins and plastics. You know, it's basically just living and breathing in this world uh, can affect your D1. And this is essentially a lot of your patients who walk into your office. So then we get to the, your diiodinase type 2, which Dr. Holtorff already said. They're high levels in the pituitary, but also in your brown adipose tissue. So your thermogenesis, really important here. It converts your T4 into your T3. So this is how right in the pituitary, you do get that conversion. You get the T4 into the T3. Why is it increased? Why would the pituitary make more levels of T3? And by more, I don't necessarily mean excessive. It could absolutely just be from a low to a normal, or from a low normal to, you know, a a higher normal. It's the same stuff. Physiologic and emotional stress, depression, yo-yo dieting, and on and on. One of the things I've read in research multiple times is that a big killer of the thermogenesis in your brown adipose tissue is norepinephrine. Norepinephrine will stop that. Now, remember, norepinephrine and cortisol are different. Norepinephrine is stored and released immediately. When you have a fight-or-flight situation, it's not cortisol that gets released right away. It's norepinephrine and, and, and epinephrine. Your breakdown of norepinephrine and epinephrine should be within minutes Unless you have a COMT or MAO SNP issue, then your minutes will be quite a bit longer. Cortisol comes out in about 10-ish minutes when you've got stress. It comes out. It just takes longer to be made and be released. And the breakdown of cortisol is more like an an hour-ish, one to two hours, depending on research. So norepinephrine is your big killer. And so a lot of people will say to me, well, in this day and age, like everyone's got a lot of norepinephrine, right? everyone's living in this fight-or-flight type of uh, world, which I 100% agree with, but it also just goes to show the importance with your patients and yourselves, practitioners, to do the things to lower norepinephrine, right? Do the meditation, do the journaling, do the calming, do the grounding, do say no to things that don't serve you, all that stuff, because it will help your brown adipose tissue. It will help your thermogenesis. It will help your diiodinases work better. Little side note on norepinephrine, and if you are that person who gets stressed out and the stress lasts all day, it's entirely possible you have a COMT or an MAO SNP, and therefore you can't degrade your stress hormone, norepinephrine and epinephrine, appropriately. So it floats around longer. And I tell this story a lot when I lecture. My very best friend has MAO. Uh, she's a double MAO, and um, of, of her the main ones. And um, when she gets stressed out, it lasts all day for her. She has tachycardia. She feels very anxious. She can't let go of the stress because she, her MAO doesn't allow her to break it down. All right, now we get to type 3. Type 3 is in all the tissues except your pituitary. So this is all the peripheral stuff. And it converts your T4 into reverse T3, which is primarily inactive. And you can see it's increased by all the same things. So all the same things will increase T3 in your pituitary, in your D2. So that's good. But they will also increase the conversion of reverse T3 out in the periphery. That's bad. All the same things. Now, this quote, and Dr. Holtorf, I hope you still agree with this quote, because it's quoted right from you. As opposed to the rest of the body that is regulated by both D1 and D3, the pituitary contains little D1 and no D3, so pituitary T3 levels are determined by D2 activity. In the pituitary, 80 to 90% of your T4 is converted to T3. Keeps the balance, right? This is good. Only 30 to 50% of your T4 in the peripheral tissue is converted to active T3. This is due to the inefficiency of D1 because of all those factors, And the presence of D3 in all tissues of the body except the pituitary that competes with D1 and converts T4 to reverse T3, which he had just said in one of his slides prior. It's a big sentence, it's a lot of facts. What does that mean? Basically, oops, wrong way. Basically, it means all the things, all the things that your patients come in with, all the things increase T3 levels in the pituitary but lowers T3 in the rest of the body. And what does that mean? It means your pituitary is happy, but the rest, the peripheral, the cellular, is not happy. So your patients go and they get a TSH run by somebody who maybe doesn't quite understand thyroid physiology, and they feel all the peripheral symptoms. Their skin is dry, their hair is falling out, they're gaining weight, their hands and feet are cold, they have constipation, they can't get pregnant, on and on and on. But their TSH looks fine. Or maybe it's on the low end of normal. Because in the pituitary is happy. But the rest of your, the diodenases out are not. So we know what the, ter- the peripheral T3 symptoms are. They're all the, the things that I just said. And they're the things that your patients come in with. They're the things that you as practitioners experience all the time. So how does LDN come into play? I, like I said, I started getting into this when I had that patient who had gone to the Mayo Clinic, she was struggling with fertility, she was struggling with a whole host of other symptoms, and she had Hashimoto's. And on testing, her, her T3 levels were suboptimal to me. She wasn't getting that conversion. So she was the patient that kicked it off for me. I was using, started using a lot of LDN, and a lot of my thyroid patients, because I was hoping that some part of LDN and what I was reading the preliminary research is it was new on the market, right? I mean, this is years ago, um, would help with conversion. I knew it was doing something magic and amazing. I just didn't quite know about diodenases to the degree that I do now. So we know the mechanism of action of LDN, but what I want to focus on is that very last thing, the anti-inflammatory part. That's what I want to focus on. So LDN has been shown to reduce interleukin activity, or activity, um, interferon alpha and TGF alpha. Now, we know that these interleukin cytokines, the inflammatory cascade is super important in the body. When you're in an acute situation, you want this inflammatory cytokine pathway to happen i 'll give you a great example earlier this week I was uh, in I got a sauna in my house, and so I was moving my treadmill over so I could fit my sauna in a space and I happened to drop my treadmill on my foot uh, right on my big toe, which is uh, right like where else would it drop and so um, I cut myself you know I thought maybe i 'd sprained or even broken my toe, and at that moment, I wanted the inflammatory cascade to swoop in and save my toe, but I didn't need it to last for, like, weeks, right? I don't want the inflammatory cascade on my big toe to last for weeks. I will give you a hot clinical tip. If you ever drop a treadmill on your big toe, the treatment are four-letter words. It helps immensely to say them over and over again. But with anti-inflammatory stuff, in an acute situation, you want that. But what's happening with our patients is they're getting this inflammatory cascade that happens every minute of every day, all the time. They're chronically inflamed, and it's from multiple assaults. It's their, you know, their blood sugar dysregulation. It's their toxin exposure. It's their lack of sleep. It's inflammation from, you know, they hate their job. They're in an unhappy relationship. They're they're just stressed out, and it just keeps going. So we know that all of these things that I just said, cause, create, worsen that peripheral, that cellular hypothyroidism. So if we gave LDN, then maybe maybe the LDN, as we're working on the terrain, which was stated earlier, as we're working on the causes and affecting their diet, their lifestyle, their stress, their nutrient deficiencies, their absorption, their gut, what have you, Giving LDN can really help reduce all that inflammation to improve the health of the the, the outside, the the diiodinases that work peripherally. So you do get that conversion from T4 to T3. Absolutely, I know you can give T3 medication, which definitely is warranted for a lot of people. But at the same time, maybe you need less if you're working on this stuff and using LDN um, or maybe eventually, who knows, you know, they can come off of it. I, I do Not not always, but it's, it's a possibility. So that's why I started using LDN with my patients, because I wanted that anti-inflammatory effect, among other effects it does, to help the diiodinases work better so that I can get that T4 to T3 conversion out in the periphery better so that there, those symptoms, the peripheral symptoms, improve. So if you're struggling with your thyroid, if you've got patients, then, you know, definitely consider as an option for those Hashimoto's patients, definitely consider it for those patients who really struggle when you're trying to convert T4 into T3. And I think I'm the shortest speaker today. (laughs) I'm on time. (laughs) So thank you.
0: Any questions or comments you may have, please email me linda l-i-n-d-a at ldnrt.org I look forward to hearing from you thank you for joining us today we really appreciated your company until next time stay safe and keep well